Thanks for tuning in to Spraymakers, the podcast that dives deep into the world of water skiing with Chris Rossi and Trent Timerson. Gates, gates, gates. So often discussed because they're so important to success in the course. This week, the guys talk through their keys to creating an ideal line outbound and through the gate. It's creating potential for the entire pass. 110%. As a coach, I know that I spend a majority of my time making sure that we have gates in the realm of where they need to be. Because in the realm, with, yeah. yeah, because without that, without that, you already start with a, you know, you're, you're basically like you're capping your top end by doing that. And so you start, yeah, that's you, a good way to say you know what I mean? Like you, yeah, I wanted to say you're handicapping yourself, but I, I don't like that term really. So, I mean, I think it's just, you're, you're, you've got all of this potential, that needs to be, you need to be in that realm of potential. And if you don't have yeah. that, then you start with these rhythms of like, you know, we call it chasing the boat. And then <laughs> all this other stuff becomes so much more important that really doesn't need to be highlighted if you start with oh. the right rhythm. You're so, yes, you're so right, dude. Because I see, you know, honestly, it's, it's unfortunately, it's probably the majority, Not I, I mean, and I'm even going to take away that, qualifier probably the majority of people are basing their approach to skiing from a kind of compensatory um you know compensatory approach if you will or or, or they're, they're coming up they're they're always working on things that are only there because they're on a they're on like a tragic line they're on a, they're getting towed into the turn they're they're progressively getting faster and faster into the buoy or faster feeling into the buoy every time they shorten the rope or every time they speed up um Again, just because there's just a few simple things that haven't been taken care of, you know, right from this, right from the start. And, and like you, you know, you already alluded to, if you get on a decent line, your to-do list of of what's important just drastically shrinks. Yeah, you go from you go from I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do that and I have to do that in order to make this work to oh, I'm just cruising. I don't even have to think yeah. right now. Oh, it's auto. Yeah. Everything, everything goes into more of an automatic type of feel when you get on that line. And so yeah. tragic line, I think is amazing. It's an amazing term. So, you know, maybe we need a, we need a t-shirt that says tragic lines and maybe with, <laughs> maybe with like that old school, don't do drugs cross circle with the red line through it <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it is this important. And, um, you know, I think we need to always be, uh, for me, gates are buoy zero. It's, it's yes. not like everybody's, there's so many people that start thinking at one, get through the gates, yep. be as close to the right hand gate ball as possible. And now I'm going to start to think as I come into one. And yeah. so you and I have been, you know, we've, you know, any, any spray maker seasoned veteran listener, knows that we always are talking about gates and the importance of it. Anybody new to this, to this podcast, uh, you know, you can go back in previous seasons and, and listen to gates episodes. Like it is very, it's very important. And we are going to kick this off to make sure that we're just having another discussion about it. Like I said, you can always go back and find information from seasons past, but uh, let's get the freshest take that you and I have on it. Yep. There's probably going to be a lot of crossover to what we've already talked about. For sure. But I think it's just a good, it's a good one to always bring up and make sure that every one of our listeners has a game plan. Number one, 
well, number one, an, uh, an understanding of what they're really trying to do and then setting a game plan in motion so that we can get on these less tragic lines or maybe yes. we'll say more optimal lines. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So I, I guess like the first thing to understand is <clears throat> like all, all, all your, so your gates set up and your gates, that is your opportunity. And, and in my mind, like I frame it, 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 that's your opportunity to establish your relationship with the boat. So what you do through the setup is going to determine how early you get the load through the turn, um, how uh, how aggressively you get the load through the turn. Um, <clears throat> it's going to determine your whether you're going to be able to accelerate into the wakes or just simply load into the wakes. And so it's just that you're setting up your 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 relationship with the boat. So, and what I mean by that is 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 simply. How quickly is the boat getting away from you? Are you only talking about this in the gate or or are you saying that this establishes something through the course? It's, it establishes potential through the whole course. And, and granted, you can, you can, as you get further, you know, from buoy to buoy to buoy, you can start to reestablish this, this higher swing line or this, this, you know, this wider line, if you will, I'm saying the exact same thing, but eventually that's going to be limiting because you know how often do you hear people say like if i can just get out of one ball i know i have a chance of running the pass so you know what they've what they've just admitted without even realizing it perhaps is that i'm on a i'm on a kind of a mediocre line at one ball i'm I'm coming a little bit hot into one but if i can manufacture a turn i'll create a little space of two a little more space at three and then i can go into you know back into autopilot but why not like if you need to be wide and early to run your hardest pass, why don't you make yourself wide and early at one ball? And it really is like, it, it is that simple if you know what you're looking for. So I go, like for me, I, I, I have, and that this is where this gets simple. I have three things that are important on your gate setup. And in, in order for me, and you can tell me what you think, but in, in order of importance for me is, <clears throat> excuse me, is one, I, I want a tight rope. So that's the most important thing that when I swing up beside the boat and I'm, and I'm waiting to make my turn back in, I need the rope to be tight. So let, let's, let's, okay, I'll, I'll tell you all three of mine. Number one important for me is tight rope. Number two, most important thing for me is glide speed. Meaning when I pull up beside the boat and one, I've already, I already decided I'm going to have a tight rope. So now the most important thing is my glide speed. How long can I carry beside the boat? One and two, what is my relationship with the boat in terms of is the boat going faster than me when I start the turn in? And if so, by how much? So all that and that goes back to, you know, the classic uh, people say they are, they're drifting in and, and what that drifting in is actually what's actually happening is you've decelerated to the point that the boat has a has a positive delta over you, meaning it's going faster than you. So one, tightrope, two, glide speed. And then the last component, which I think too often is the first component for people, is how wide you are or how how high up on the boat you're, you've swung to make that gate turn in. Because um, again, a really, really high gate with no glide speed and a loose rope is not going to help you because you're going to have to slow down to make the turn in anyway. So one, tightrope, two, water speed or glide speed. And then the last component, which is icing on the cake is having both of those things from as high a point as possible. I love it. So, yeah. So before, so maybe we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll venture down each of those and and just tell you how simple it is to check each of those boxes. But is that, 
does that order reflect in your mind or do you have a, a different different term or a different thought process for for how you would like what's your hierarchy of importance in terms of setting up a gate well once once again your way with words is is pretty primo so i think the way you lay it out is the way that i go for it i think of it a little bit differently for me it's like um i have no side to side energy before i pull out from my gates so really what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to create some energy slash momentum then i'm going to Mm -hmm. stand up and harness that energy while I swing up to my to my widest place, um, and then I want to drop in to the half pipe and recreate that energy again going into into the gate. So, yeah, in yes. essence, yes, it's very similar to the way that you're thinking about it. One of the things that I see a lot when I watch people, you know, do their gates is just this kind of mindless edge out to the width I want to be, stand up. Oh, it's a quote unquote glide. Now I'm just gliding with my arms out and then now I'm going to turn in. And so there's no sequencing of events there. But if you go and you look at when you're skiing well and you're, you're, no matter what ability level you're at, you're going to feel a version of this where you're on that swing, you're in rhythm with the boat and you're, you and the boat are, are harmonious and you have that, you're, you feel a connection all the time. And I just see a lot of people with their gates have like no feeling, no connection, no energy. <laughs> and so again, that just brings me back to what I said in the intro, which is really a lot of people start thinking about skiing as they're coming into buoy yeah. one. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you watch, you know, whether it's a one-handed gate or more, far more common now is, is, is a two-handed gate. Again, um, you, you watch any of the top skiers and you're going to see, and, and, and people kind of get confused by the motions that, you know, like, oh, so-and-so is, you know, turns their handle over or so-and-so does like a bit of a counterclockwise swirl with the handle, meaning Chris Parrish. And, and, and they don't be confused by, you know, the fact that you're seeing something tells you that they're, they're being dynamic, they're moving, you know, it's, 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 while it's more controlled because there's less speed involved, it's the, all those movements are is, is it's a pre-turn to get their body moving to then in turn, get their ski moving. Um, so let's go through that sequence then. And then, well, first of all, let's do this. And like you had talked about, you need to create energy out. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have that upward swing or upward glide and have the support to create that energy, or like you said, dropping into your half pipe on the way back in. So how critical or, or again, if we just go, Hey, what's important on, on the, on the gate pullout itself. So what are you asking me on that one? Well, what, what's it like on the gate pullout itself? What, what, what's critical? Like I had said, like, if you, if I was going to go big okay. picture, I had those three components that are critical like just in terms of the overall picture, but on the pullout itself, like, you know, you had said about creating energy on the way out. So what is, cause if you watch, you know, if you watch a lot of the top skiers, there's definitely different dynamics to that pullout, but they're all trying to achieve the same thing. So what are you trying to achieve in terms of building energy on the pullout? I think what I, what I want to do is I want to direct my ski with the least amount of use of the boat. I think that's the easiest way for me to explain cool. my way of trying to connect 
or create energy. You know, when you're in a turn and you're free of the boat and you're in a turn, the dropping into a half pipe is is the creation of energy because you're you're starting that motion. That's what that drop in is. And mm -hmm. you can do that because you're you have you have side you have developed some side to side speed and you are able to then get your body moving in your direction of travel. On the gate pullout, I would say a huge portion of people, I mean, in the 90 something percentile of people, mm -hmm. their first motion is back. Mm -hmm. yes. They're dropping back. Like the, the first yeah. thing you do, I wrote it, I just wrote down a few things, but like if the first thing you do is feel line tension, then you're moving backwards. Yes. Yeah. If you, so if you feel line tension before you, before you've even started moving. Right. Or, or, or I guess that's not quite accurate. I guess what you're saying is if you feel line tension at, at, as a result of your very first movement. Right. I mean, either way, I mean, it, it's, it, it, yes. it's, I think, I think you were right the first time anyway, but yes. So I think for people's first, almost everyone's first move, let's say, mm -hmm. I don't care. We, we should talk about structure and stance before we pull out. We've done that in the past, you know, but yeah. regardless of that, when you decide, okay, it's time for me to start. I like, I don't like the, I, for many years, I refuse to call it a pullout because I think that yeah. immediately puts something in your mind that is not what's happening. And so people then start to pull on their pullout. And that's not really what I believe is happening here. But so, um, yeah. So if the first thing you do, most people's first thing they do is they're going to take their left shoulder and they're going to go in a little mini semicircle outward and fall back mm -hmm. and go outward. And if that's yeah. your first move, then you you know for a fact that your first move is to lean back on the rope and um, you're not dropping into your pullout. So that's so anyway, creation of energy in this zone, I think, is really important. If the first thing you do is lean then all you're going to do is lean against a, a, a boat that's much more powerful than you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to do a bunch of other moves that are all going to be com com compensatory moves that will mm -hmm. still lead you to a place that either doesn't create enough energy to release you from, from to help you swing to the top of the swing. Mm -hmm. Or when you come up, you're going to have done so many unbalanced moves that that line's going to go loose. And either one yeah. of those uh, is not the, is not the way. So we don't want to be narrow, slow, and tight. And we don't want to be like you, you mentioned earlier, we don't want to be 90 degrees on the boat, but traveling in a direction and, and speed that don't match the boat so that when it's time to turn in the lines loose slack we fall back until we catch the line and that just resets all of that fake width that you ended up creating yeah yes so, okay so that so that first move isn't back in a way the first move is 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 basically i mean and and you've you've said this really well in the past is like you're not going to move your ski. You're going to move your body. So where are you going to move your body? Well, you're going to move your body into a leaning position over the edge of your ski, but you're going to make sure that it's got a forward component to it. Yes. Yes. Now the, cause that's going to create, create right. that true acceleration. Right. So in, in my head, like the easiest way is, is just imagine you're standing on a clock phase, you know, so 12 would be straight down the lake. Six would be straight behind you. And you want to take that, take that, you know, that, that perfect structure of your body, that nice stack or however you want to turn it, term it. And you want to establish lean towards that 11 o'clock, somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. 
That's okay. Right. That's right on. That's right on. Okay. Cause, cause again, like we've, we talked about, you know, or well, I'll reiterate, like if, if, if your mass, if your body is leading your, your, your base or your ankles your, or, your, you know, your ski, your ski is going to truly accelerate. And that's that energy, Rossi, you're talking about is, is creating that, you said momentum, acceleration, it's all the same thing. And your body has to be leading your feet for that to happen. Um, so, okay, now, so now you've, we've left awake when we've created that positive energy. Now, <clears throat> to check the number one box, which, you know, which in my mind is keeping a tight rope, all this is, 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 is just appreciate, appreciating the direction of your glide, like meaning you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fall into that lean as you start to rise up. You got to remember that, you know, because of the, 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 um, because of the, that, the, like the rope, sorry, is attached to the pylon. If you were just going to imagine like how, what path does that handle, could that handle go on if it was perfectly tight? And, and the answer is it's, it's, it's a semicircular path or it's, or it's a path that is absolutely um, divergent away from the wakes. So as you come up into your glide, too often, you know, skiers want to allow themselves to run parallel with the boat because they feel like that's, that's, you know, their only option. But the truth is that handle is going to continue to arc upward and outward. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't need run parallel to the moment that it hit perfectly perpendicular or 90 degrees to the boat. What, so yep. what an awesome way to say it. I mean, I think that really, you know, as I'm listening to you through my, through my headphones, as, as our listeners do, I really see this instead of pull out, go straight, you know, so like one line, one line pulling out and then one line going straight and then yeah. turning in, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this arc to another arc, like that's this arc that is our, our our quote unquote glide is really an outward bending arc following, yes. following a tight handle path all the way. Mm-hmm, for sure. And that it doesn't, you know, in thinking about that, it doesn't mean that you need to be on an outside edge to do that. Cause you absolutely don't, um, you know, staying on that outside edge is a good, again, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a measure of making sure the rope is tight, but it's not, it's not your avenue for carrying the greatest amount of speed, but it's really just coming up into that glide and, and being committed to that outward arcing line. Um, and again, if, if you, I do it momentarily with my eyes, um, you know, just to, to commit to the direction I've already established. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to create a, a, like a false, outward direction that, that, you know, wasn't already established on the start. It's just coming up. And, and, and again, momentarily with my eyes, I'm going to focus on that line and feeling the pylon, feeling that cable tight rope through that swing until I reach my apex is, is what is that kind of, that's that veritable proof that I am running that, that, that full arcing line to the top. Yes. Yes. I mean, the way i the way I talk about it is energy, right? So like for me, dropping in is easy. That's, that's not, that, that is not something where you're flexed out, where your face is gridded and all of that, like to fall and drop in, in your direction of travel should be more of a dynamic movement. 
when you reach the bottom of that movement, now you're in a place where you're going to tighten, constrict, and hold on to that energy while, you, while you're being pulled up over the top of your ski. And what you're saying is you should be holding on to that energy all the way as you wrap up and to the apex. I mean, that's tight rope, tight rope, tight rope, tight rope. I mean, people will, people talk about all the time, like, oh, I don't want the rope tight. I don't want this. I don't want that. I think, you know, but ultimately you do, you want the, when you're ever, whenever you are connected, you have potential energy ready to go. Anytime Mm -hmm. that you have lost that connection, the first thing you're going to have to do when you make your next move is to look for that connection again. So, yes, you know, when, yes, perfect. You know what I mean? Like that's So I think what we, especially on the gates, we do not want to be out there and be like, have no idea where this line is tight. And then, you know, do the hope and pray turn. And then, Oh, I caught it right. Woohoo. And now I'm gone. Or, Oh, I just crashed onto that, smashed the line, got stood up, reset it down, went through the gate. And now I'm coming into one. And what's my rhythm going to be at one? It's going to be very yep. similar to what you started with at the turn in for the gates. So it's going to be the same. If you want to, it's going to be the same. It, right. And and yeah, and that's why that's why for me that number one factor again. I'm, I'm going to check three boxes. The number one box for me is a tight rope because the reason why most people turn in for their gates from their back foot is for that very reason. They're trying to find a tight rope. So they pull out and, and maybe they know they want to be nice and wide. And maybe even they know that they want, you know, they want adequate glide speed. But if the line is loose, they're going to go to their back foot. And, and, you know, again, it's reactionary, but they're going to go to their back foot so they can find the rope. So what happens is they go to their back foot, they slow down, the boat advances on them, they feel the rope start to tighten, and then they turn. Right. So, so this is it, huge, it's, everybody. This is yeah, so huge. Th- that, and that's why the number one thing for me is a tight rope because without a tight rope, the, the you know, the, the, the next ideals aren't possible or they're not effective anyway. Mm-hmm. So tight rope, like run your, run that, 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 that outside arc. Um, and then two, I, for, you know, I already said, then the most important thing for me is understanding and being aware of glide speed because the, Again, whether you're whether you're falling back behind the boat because you've gone back foot or or because you've just you know you haven't created enough speed to begin with. However, the goal is you want like as the boat's advancing on you, that's meaning it's pulling ahead of you. Meaning you're you know if you ski at thirty four miles an hour, thirty four point two miles an hour, the moment you start hitting thirty four point one, thirty four, thirty three, nine, eight, seven, six, five. The, the, as you start slowing down and that boat's advancing on you, your window to create, Rossi, you would say energy, your window to create energy, your window to, to create that angle and your and your window to to get that forward drive into the wake is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Or think of it, you know what I'm coaching my kids, like I'm talking about you know, your run up. So I want you going as fast as humanly possible by the first wake. So the bigger, the longer your run up, the more time you have to create that speed and energy. So as the boat is advancing away from you, and even if, you know, even if it's not getting that much ahead of you, you're just letting your, that potential energy disappear because again, your space is disappearing, disappearing, disappearing. So 
that goes to you know box number two is understanding and, and, and capitalizing on your glide speed. Because again, I see a lot of people that know they want to get especially wide and they do that again at the expense of a tight rope. So then now they have to stand out there until they slow down and they do a what I call like a bottom turn anyway, or, or they turn when they're almost back to the whitewash. So now you, again, now your, your, your potential, all that room that you would, you had created is just disappearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's gone. I mean, and, and that's the thing. So yeah, if you're, if you're wide and if you're wide and loose, the only thing you can do is rock back. When you rock back, yeah. the line's not tight, but you're rocking back. You're trying to slow down until the line comes tight. And then if you look at the moment that you actually get into your accelerating position, that's what we're really focused on. That's what Trent and I are yes. really talking about is where can you get in your accelerating position and where you want to be in your accelerating position, in my opinion, is as wide as possible for most people, for, sure. for most people. But I think, yeah. I think if we're talking theory, then my theory would be, you know, the, the hypothetical buoy line, you know, the dotted line that runs down the two, four, six line, we want to be in our accelerating position on that as close to that buoy line as possible as close to that line as possible for okay? sure so yes at 15 off you could actually wrap up higher than that because of how much rope you have you could drop into that the only thing that i would say on that trend from a from a thirty thousand foot view is if you're way out yeah. there with your width and you're getting your speed in the center then that that rhythm is going to want to follow to a wider rhythm and than the course really is now most yeah. people are not technically developed enough to be able to run that line anyway and the course's parameters don't quite fit so but anyway so ultimately it's the buoy line the back side of the buoy line not the i mean in theory it's the back side of the buoy if you're in the course if you've done everything proper but that dotted line that runs buoy width you know all the way down the lake that line right there is where i want to be in my i want to be accelerating from that's not where i'm turning from that's where I'm done turning and now I'm accelerating from that point because that gives me yep. the maximum amount of distance from there to the center line to build speed. Yep. Yes. That's it. Yes. So is it go it's exactly that. It, it's so that and that's where I'm talking about, you know, as whether I'm in the boat watching someone or whether I'm monitoring my own skiing, that's when I'm talking about establishing a relationship with the boat, that's what I'm talking about. You know, so if you're, you're watching video of yourself or you're, or you're watching your, your buddy ski, or you're, you know, you're trying to understand this, like what the big thing that catches my eye is, is as the boat is starting to pull away from the skier. So I, you know, again, from the passenger seat, I'm watching that skier start to fall behind us ever so slightly while that's happening. The big question is always, what is the skier doing? And for most skiers, there's a, there's a fairly big span of space where they're doing nothing other than waiting for the red, the red buoys to get to them. Right. 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 The moment the boat's pulling away from you, you want to already be turning. So that's why, again, back to Rossi, what you're talking about, creating good, solid energy on the pullout is so important because that's what creates your potential for, for glide speed. So as a, from a skier's perspective in, in the, in, in the, you know, I was going to say in the driver's seat, but that would, that's a little bit confusing because I'm yep. not talking about the driver of the boat or the driver of the ski. But from, from your perspective, Rossi, when you're skiing, how, are you, how do you monitor your glide speed? Like, how do you know where you are? For me, I just, it's the boat, you know. Yeah. For me, it's just my relationship to the boat. When you, yeah. when you stand, when you come up out of your lean, 
You mm-hmm. are going faster than the boat. That, that's what's, what's propelling you up onto the side of the boat. And as I'm, you know, as I'm gliding and I'm gliding and gliding, I'm, I'm skiing up and up and up and up on that arc. And there's a moment there where you, you know that you and the boat are just about to match. And right when, yeah. right before you and the boat are, are going to match, I release that line tension for me. Okay. I release that line yep. tension. I make a, I release the handle from what would be because I'm up on the side of the boat. The handle to me has a, um, has a, a relatively straight left arm, a bent, more bent right arm. The handle's more beside me than out in front of me. And I'm just mm-hmm. arcing up on the boat. My shoulders are facing the boat. And then when me, the boat and I match, obviously I'm hoping that this is in time that I know I'm going to make the, the gates, but yep. meaning I'm going to go through them. But at that moment, regardless, I do not care if it's, if this is practice, then the moment that we match, I am going to take that, that, that tight rope that I've been feeling and wrapping up with, and I'm going to open my hands and open everything up and basically release the handle to the boat. And I unweight everything. It's like I stand up tall and just become weightless. And is that quick question, that quick question. So when you're saying you're talking about like releasing the handle to the boat, like is that, because I'm just picturing it. Mm-hmm. You're saying, is that saying the same thing as, as doing like a kind of a two-handed reach? It is a two-handed reach. Okay. Okay. So I'm not releasing with my outside hand. Good, good. That's a good, uh, good time to to make sure we're understanding this. But I've been connected. I'm connected. I'm connected. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. I'm coming up on the boat. I'm coming up on the boat. I'm I'm there. I'm connected, just like you're talking about. I'm holding on to that energy that I had, and then I get to the that moment right before the boat and I. I can see it happening. Then I'm going to basically like open my grip open my grip, relax that handle towards the boat. I'm standing really tall. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop into this turn and dropping in is I'm not turning my ski. I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm, I am falling in the direction of travel. I am trying to fall in towards the handle. I am weightless. And some of the keys that I have, you know, we can talk about that, but like, it's literally a, a fall in the direction of travel. And then my weight shift, because I'm falling, if, it, if we're going back to your clock, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your clock thing, then yeah. I'm what it's like, I'm falling into a, probably a one thirty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Somewhere between one, one and two o'clock, you know, yeah. somewhere between one and two o'clock on a clock. If, if 12 o'clock is pointing straight down the course, I'm falling in that direction of travel. And then as I fall in that direction, it's really simple to not simple, but it's pretty easy to understand. If you, if I have my mass and I'm falling towards one thirty or somewhere between one and two o'clock, my mass is moving mm-hmm. forward there. My weight moves forward on the ski that puts the water break forward on the ski. We have, you know, our concaves and our bevels up there and the way our fins are set up to pull this front of the ski underneath us. And we fall into our, uh, athletically stacked or, uh, our mm-hmm. stance or, or our accelerating position naturally to that place. There is no force to get to this spot. And when I, you know, when I go back and look at most skiers, when I see them at apex, the first thing I see is a push of their feet. And which, if you push your feet, which way is your body going to go? 
It's going to go back. Oh, wait, we want to drop in. We're not dropping back. Yes. So, you know, going back to you, like, we, I, I actually wanted to pose this question to you because you were talking about line tension and, and having a tight rope. When you get to your gate apex or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, and you're, that relationship yep. to your speed, how do you view that moment? Like how do I how do I detect it? Like like well, a okay. How do you detect it? Because you asked me that question, and then b, yeah. are you focusing on keeping a tight rope through that move? Are you what what are you doing? Like do, does what I do differ from what you're thinking? Yeah, about? no, and, no, it's 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 the exact same. Like I I just have this feeling like that I want to be in constant motion through the glide, so. Meaning, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, exact same idea in that pullout. I'm going to come up without squaring off. So I'm going to come up rising out on that same, you know, on that same arcing path. And, and then again, because the rope is tight, like there's my source of information because I can, you know, I, cause I'm connected to the pylon and I can see out of my peripherals, I can see the boat or I can see the line of the rope as it relates to the boat as, I, as through that glide itself, as I'm still slightly climbing and I'm slightly still going outbound, I'm just going to like, you know, same thing you're talking about two-handed reach. The higher I, closer I get to that apex, the further I'm going to let that handle feed away from my body to maintain that outward direction. Because again, what I'm trying to do is arc out and up. And the moment I hit, you know, I call it a stall and it's, you know, it's not a stall as I'm not moving, but, but in terms of, in terms of compared to the boat, I'm no longer climbing but the boat hasn't yet started to climb away from me. Perfect. So the moment I hit what feels like, yeah, what feels like that stall is the moment I'm at max kind of the max extension that I'm going to get with two hands. And then the moment that, that the tables shift, if you will, and the boat's starting to slightly advance on me, I've already, you know, I've already moved my hips, moved my body into this turn. So it's just, it's, it's, it's like, we're just shifting roles. I'm swinging up on the boat now the boat's swinging up on me. And and again, like, I'm just going to make sure I'm not idle for a moment of that or as close to not idle for a moment, you know, not idle for a moment of that. Because again, that's the biggest thing I see is people standing out beside the boat with, and their only thought process, you know, and, and it's a, and it's a valid thought process, but their only thought process is, is I'm going to, now I'm going to stand here and wait for the reds to be in the perfect place. Yeah. And ultimately you've got to hit those reds. I get it. But that's, that is in terms of the big approach, hitting the reds is the easiest part, right? It's, it's timing. It's timing your relationship with the boat to fall within the constraints of hitting between those reds. Cause remember those reds are a long ways apart and, and you're, you know, you're, you're not going 90 degrees through them. You know, you're going closer to 45 degrees through them. So You've got a lot of play fore and aft to make it through those gates. You don't have to be, you do not have to be pounding the right hand gate ball. You know, right. it's far more important that you, that you've timed. I, I call it like timing the boat. You've got to time the boat. Um, and, and when learning this, the, the, you know, again, unless you had a tournament within the next 10 days, when, when, when addressing this, you're the biggest favor you could do yourself, sorry, do for yourself is loosen those constraints of, needing to either hit the red hand, the right hand gate ball, or even go through them at all. You know, you're, you're never going to learn to time the boat. If, if timing the course is your number one priority through the learning curve. 
this is a it's a sequence of events that happens and that's why trent and i talk about this all the time and that we are winding this thing up and then you it's like think of it as do you really get to change that much when you're in the course the line that you're on right so it's the same thing that it's so important that you just understand where you're trying to go for and get there in such a smooth manner and the thing that I see most people do that we want to get away from is time it, time everything based on those red buoys, as Trent has said. You know, what we need to do, like I, 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 my youngest son will not allow himself to miss his gates. Fundamentally will not do it. And it's so frustrating because he's having such a hard time to understand this flow on the gate. So my opinion yeah. to, to you guys is, yes, we don't want to miss them, but it is so important that we roll up. The moment that you see that stall or that you in the boat match, you've got to go at that point. And then what we've got to do is decide, do we need to pull out later? Do we need to shift something in our pullout to iron this out so that that mm -hmm. stall or that moment of turn-in happens so that we the end result is that we go through those two red start gate buoys? That's yep, to me for sure. is huge. For sure. huge. And that's the thing to understand. Like every once in a while, you know, if you are a fan of the sport and you watch um, some of the water ski broadcast um, presentations, um, watch some of these pro events. Every once in a while, you see one of these guys or girls miss their gates. And the thing to understand is that they they why why would they? How could they ever miss their gates? It, it's not it's not because they were trying to get a jump on the right hand gate ball to get early for one, and it's not because they haven't seen the the correct picture a hundred thousand times it's because there's there's two factors it's it's their speed in relation to the boat speed that gets increasingly more important as the line gets shorter and then ultimately where did all of these where do these two things intersect as it relates to where they are um, in relation to the entrance gates themselves so uh, again like if you can appreciate why why even a you know one of the best gears in the world will occasionally miss their gates it's it's because there's two things at play you know, you're, you, you, where are, where are you hitting that, that apex point? And then in addition, where is that happening in relation to the course, you know, cause it, it's that, it's that moment where you're like, you know, in a, in a tournament and it's, I have to go now I can let this fudge a little bit, but I absolutely have to go now or else I'm going to be too far behind the boat to run this pass anyway. And, and they go and they end up jumping the gates. Um, so I think, for me, just the simplest approach, if you were, if your goal is, you know, okay, I know I need a better start because I know when I do get a better start, everything's better. Um, and I run my hardest passes. If you're going to, if you wanted to spend some time focusing on the, on your setup, I think, you know, number one, I would make sure I have a tight rope. So I'm not forced to go to my back foot. And two, I think the first step is, is just, you know, video, have someone video you and just watch, you know, where am I? when I hit apex and then pause your video. Okay, so here's here's your stall point. And then let it run forward and then pause it again when you actually see your ski starting to draw or starting to turn. And then just look at the disparity. Like how how much space did I just did I just give up? And and the the again the less space you can give up the the better your gate is going to be in the end you know and then the icing then just the icing on the cake is once you have that part figured out now start adding a little more energy and see if you can just if you can have your stall point happen slightly higher on the boat 